Hey, this is Tom Ross, and you're listening to the Ukra Media Podcast. Hello, Ukra Media family. Vladimir Brugnevsky here, and welcome to episode number 69 of the Ukra Media Podcast, where I serve a Ukra Media family with daily, that's right, daily interviews from highly creative people. And speaking of creative people, today's guest is Tom Ross. Tom is a longtime creative with years of experience. He is the founder and CEO of designcuts.com. He's a co-host of the Honest Designers Podcast, that generated well over 750,000 downloads. Tom is also the host of the Honest Entrepreneur Show, where he provides a candid, totally transparent look into life as an online entrepreneur. In other words, Tom is everywhere. You've seen him on The Future with Chris Doe. You heard him on the Logo Geek Podcast, Perspective Collective, Feasting on Design, and many others. But before I play my interview with Tom, I want to take a quick second to thank our sponsor, ActionVFX.com. They have over 25 500 elements of professionally shot VFX stock footage captured on the latest RED cameras from explosions, fire, water, smoke, gun effects, debris, particles, weather, blood and gore. They have your assets covered. Save on render time with real elements. No more simulation. Go to actionvfx.com. Again, go to actionvfx.com. And now here's my conversation with Tom Ross. Enjoy. Tom, welcome to the show and share something interesting about yourself that most people don't know. Hey, Vladimir, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. And I'm going to open super nerdy, actually. Um, <laughs> something a lot of people don't know about me. I used to compete at chess when I was a kid to really? a pretty, wow. uh, to like a county standard. So yeah, there you go. I was like eight, nine years old, chess nerd. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's easy because I come from Eastern Bloc, you know, from Kiev, Ukraine. That was like a huge game. Then I moved to the United States it's, I guess people play here poker. That's like the number one game in the United States. Are you still, yeah. do you still play until today? Compete at all? But no, nothing like that. Like I, he drops obviously, it, huh? I, yeah, I remember how to play still, um, but it comes out very rarely. And I think the last time I played, I was at a friend's birthday party. They rented some <laughs> place. It had a giant chessboard in the garden and a real cocky guy kind of challenged me when he was drunk. And so it was Did good to him? kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It builds character for him. He probably needed it. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's let's uh, talk about your creative journey. How did you get started in in design? Curious to find out. I was young, to be honest, man. Like I've always loved creative stuff from toddler age, but I really got into it when I was about twelve years old. And my best friend at the time sat me down. We were looking at a website, and he right clicked on it and hit view source, where it obviously <laughs> spits out all the HTML code. Right. And I was like, "Holy crap! You mean people build these? They don't just exist?" And it it blew my mind. <laughs> And from there, we both taught ourselves HTML and we both started designing websites. So actually web design was my first foray into all of this kind of stuff. And then on the back of that, I learned initially PaintShop Pro, but then Photoshop. I learned photo manipulation, graphic design, and was real deep on web design for a lot of years as a freelancer. Wow. So what was your first job? I think, honestly, it was design contests. So I think now you've got Fiverr and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. Back in the day, I don't even think that existed back then, but it was a, a similar kind of service. And I would be entering these design contests. I was super young. I was like 13, 14 years old. And at first I didn't win <laughs> any of them. And I kept entering them and I got better and better. So soon I was winning like one in 10. And by the time I was done, I was winning about 50% of the ones that I entered, which was awesome because I was still really young but they were like hundreds and hundreds of dollars if you want it. Wow. So I started bringing in this kind of steady little income. I know people frown at design contests, but like I love the 
idea of just getting started, you know, just earn that first dollar and kind of go from there. Wow. So you're, you had the competition in you from, from day one. So you're competing in chess and you're competing in design. Now, how did that help in your creative journey? It was great. Like, again, people look down on design contests and I'm not saying they should be a career path for anyone, but they taught me a lot. It, it taught me a lot about what clients want, to be honest, because very quickly you start to pay attention to the patterns of which ones get picked as a winner, what the clients resonate with, and just the whole process of actually working for a client, I think is a great initial stepping stone. Now, let's transition to my favorite part of the show. The reason why I say it's favorite because people share some cool stories from this one. I want <laughs> you to tell us the worst story, I guess the worst uh, moment in your creative journey. So Tom, don't hold back any punches, take it away. Yeah, there's been a couple of really bad moments. So one which I can't get into too much, but I was actually screwed out of a creative business. Ouch, um, doesn't ever fun. Yeah, which sucks. So um, again, I can't really share details, but right, what right. happened was- uh, I feel the pain though. I'd be, yeah, literally I'd been out celebrating. I was like, life's going great. I was celebrating with my family. And then I got the news in a very surprising way ran to the bathroom and just started vomiting and getting like consoled by my girlfriend i was like my life's over this is terrible i was (laughs) was on the floor so that was one and then the other one um i'm now ceo of design cuts which is my company been running it six years and to get it off the ground i worked 18 hours a day seven days a week so it was over 100 hours a week no exaggeration i was like putting my heart blood sweat tears everything into this didn't watch tv for a year um (laughs) or longer than a year actually and so it was 18 months of working like that and i ended up hospitalizing myself having major stomach surgery my goodness wow Um, it was intense so had this major surgery and and that was kind of bad enough because in the run-up to that i'd been throwing up every morning for hours on end like just being horrendously oh ill all the time so i had the surgery and i thought that'll be me fixed but then i was chronically ill for two years after that to the point i could barely stand i was like shaking i lost all this weight i was like i was really really sick and the whole time i had to keep running my company and hold it together otherwise my team lose their jobs Jeez. everything i killed myself working for goes away so that took like some real grit and fortitude but that is probably the hardest thing i've ever been through wow tom you have some scars man that's crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah a few battle scars for someone my age i think <laughs> no is it because of the amount of work that you were doing or is it mainly because of stress um so it was a <laughs> Yeah, it was a particularly like bad type of hernia. And the doctor explained that it had been exacerbated by very high levels of stress and lifestyle. Wow. Now, is there anything, what did you learn from this experience? Did you change your lifestyle after that experience? Yeah, I had to because I, I was so sick after the surgery. The only way I could keep the company going was to start delegating more because before I was trying to do everything myself, be a real perfectionist, be a real control freak. And it just forced me to scale out a team. And so without that, I think I would have just kept plowing ahead and trying to do it all. But now we've got a team of 20 people. And I think the inception point of that really scaling was me being, you know, my hand being forced by being so ill. So let's say, let's say I'm starting a business right now, similar business to what you were doing, what you're doing right now. What advice would you give to that person that's about to start it? You know, so they wouldn't end up in a hospital like you did. Yeah, it's, it's a really tough question to answer, to be honest, because with everything I know now, I could go back and do it so much quicker and so much better and delegate and scale out a team. But the only way I learned that was through learning it, right? Through going through it. 
And as much as right now, I'm someone who does preach balance and, you know, not burning yourself into the ground. And I, I try and be a cautionary tale for people. I equally recognize that I might not be where I am and I might not have the success we have if I hadn't have worked so hard. Interesting. Wow. Because I've, ne- I've never done it. I've never got that level of success without working that hard. And so I'm absolutely like, don't kill yourself. Don't put yourself in hospital. <laughs> but I do kind of struggle with marrying the fact that it takes an ungodly amount of work usually to build something big and, and scalable. I'm learning that the hard way right now. It's so true. Even like with daily podcasts, but you know, right. it's kind of like, it's kind of like go to the gym to work out. It takes a lot of, you know, especially if you're trying to be like a bodybuilder, you're, you're kind of like stretching the muscles, you're tearing them apart, you know, and usually say when some, if say a bodybuilder quits and he goes back to the gym, like years later to work out, it takes him quicker amount because of, of time, because uh-huh. of muscle memory. And I feel like the same thing was with, with business because you went through all the pain. You have this kind of like muscle memory. You, it, it, like you said, it'll probably take you quicker uh, to, to start a business right now than, you know, if somebody's starting out who doesn't have those experiences, those dark moments that, cause that's when you learn the most, right? Those dark experiences are good for you in a way. Would you agree with that? Massively. Not to that extent, maybe. <laughs> no, no. I mean, honestly, I, I think your biggest battle scars are your biggest learning lessons. Mm. Always. No one who just had this easy path or didn't put in the work got anywhere, I don't think. And so I'm weirdly thankful for them. If I hadn't been burnt in business, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. And if I hadn't made myself so sick, I don't know, maybe I'd be in a different space as well. I'd be less experienced. I might be doing something different. I wouldn't have as many lessons. So I try and be thankful for the hard times because I do think they really shape you. And my whole personal brand that I'm doing alongside my, my company is The Honest Entrepreneur. And you can probably tell already, Vladimir, I'm very, very candid. I'm very transparent about this stuff. I love that. So some people are just like, hustle, 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 work hard. Other people are like, you have to be your zen and have balance. And the truth with most things is a middle ground, right? But that's not sexy. Like a balanced middle (laughs) ground um, is not so compelling. That's not like memeable content in the same way. But I'm just trying to bring that truth because I think everything has to have a degree of balance behind it. No, that's well said. Now, let's shift gears and talk about something positive. Tell us the story of the best moment of your creative journey. This is a tough question for me to answer. <laughs> and I, I don't know if you feel the same, but I, I'm kind of bad at celebrating. Dude, I'm the same way. I hear you. Yeah. Like I... You're always on to the next thing, right? Right. The goalposts always move. I think that is very indicative of ambitious people. And so I'm always chasing that next thing. That being said, I think the nearest we get to like really celebrating tends to happen once a year at the Christmas party. And we've got the whole team there. We got all the directors and and the shareholders and the directors normally gather together at like one end of the bar with this drunken rosy glow around us. And we look out (laughs) at the team like there are children. And we normally sort of drunkenly say something like, I can't believe all of this like came from our idea. It came from nothing like, you know, and we have that little moment of pride. But apart from that, I think it's generally just go, go, go. Like, you know, what's the next thing to tackle? Hmm. Why is it so hard to just take time and enjoy? You know, I struggle with that as well because you know that you're as good as your last performance and you better be on, you know, onto something else or you better have your finger on the pulse so that way you keep this ship going, right? Why is it so hard to just enjoy? I don't know. I think I think we're just wired wrong. Mm. <laughs> Honestly, it's like the curse of being a creative entrepreneur. And it seems like everyone that I know that's like super talented, they don't even think they're that talented. Like it's, they're just I don't know. It's just this uh, this weird thing that they don't recognize, don't give themselves uh, the credit that they deserve. They kind of just uh, 
on to the next thing. Like, ah, oh, I still got a long way to go. Long way. To- <laughs> yeah, it, like imposter funny. syndrome, right? Right, right. No, for sure. That's definitely something to overcome. And I think that's, uh, I don't think we truly arrive, right? We don't, but I think like a small way to celebrate and get over imposter syndrome is to look back and realize how far you've come. Because generally, if we look back six months or a year, we are in quite a dramatically different place from where we were, or hopefully we are. And that causes pride. If I look back and think, oh man, like five years ago, I wouldn't have believed where I could be now. Um, You know, I would have killed to get to where I'm at now. And I think that helps put things in, in good perspective. No, definitely, for sure. Now, Tom, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor, and we'll be right back with more questions. This episode is brought to you by our friends from ActionVFX.com. They provide the best stock footage elements for professional visual effects, from explosions, fire and smoke, muzzle flashes and bullet shells, and gun effects to debris and particles. They have your assets covered. Available in 4K, 100% royalty-free. They also have over 250 free VFX elements for you to download. Stuff like free fire sound effects, spell hits, bullet shells, blood mist, bullet hole textures, dust waves, water sound effects, explosion sound, and the list goes on and on. If that's not enough, then check out their tutorials and blogs. ActionVFX.com is a great online resource. Save on render time with real elements, no more simulations. Go to ActionVFX.com. Again, go to ActionVFX.com. And now back to the interview. All right, we're back from the break. Tom, I have a total of like six questions for you. The first one is, how do you overcome creative blocks? It's a great question. I think by doing and just to clarify, I'm experiencing a form of this in the last week, but it hasn't been creative block. It has been blind panic and paralysis and stress. But I think the same principles apply to when you're blocked creatively, right? Any kind of block, I think, is a form of paralysis. It's like you literally can't you can't move creatively. You just can't get done what you want to get done. And right when I was feeling this last week, I stumbled serendipitously across a video by Jeff Bezos where he basically talked about stress being a symptom of knowing what to do, but not doing it yet, right? And I think this is so true. I remember when I knew I had to be revising at school, as soon as I started revising, I felt fine. Even though I hadn't finished my revision, I didn't know all this stuff. As soon as I started the process of revising, I was like, okay, good, Hmm. it's underway. But it's when I was panicking in my head, I'm like, oh my God, I need to revise. Like I'm, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm, I'm super stressed. And I think the same thing can be said for creative blocks. So it's when you're bouncing around your own head and thinking, oh man, I can't design. Like I I suck. I can't do anything. (laughs) Just start designing. Realize that you don't need to come up with a perfect piece. You don't need to do anything, but just start putting pencil to paper, start moving that tablet or that mouse around. And I think, I, th- I think, you know, the creativity will come. And I've been documenting this exact process on my Instagram this week because I've been saying, like, here's how I feel. And today was the day where I really started just tackling in it. And as soon as I started the work, it was like a weight was lifted. I was like, ah, oh, okay, we're off to the races. But I had a full week of just bouncing around in my head, freaking out about stuff. So <laughs> I think absolutely creatives should try and uh, employ that same technique. Oh, great advice. Now, if you could give one piece of advice to aspiring designers, what would it be? Keep going. And I know that might sound cliche, but it's so important. I see so many people just panicking and perhaps not having the patience of getting there. As I mentioned, I've been doing this since I was 12 years old. So I've been doing it for 18 years. That's crazy. And 
I feel like I'm only just getting started. You know, I've, I've got <laughs> my, the next de- decade of aspirations planned out in my head and I'm going to be patient as hell. Like I'm, I've recently started this personal brand project on the side of my company and I'm not expecting that to pay off for five to 10 years. Wow. And that's totally fine. But I think a lot of people do a few tutorials, start putting out some logos and six months or 12 months or 18 months in get really despondent with, you know, why it hasn't gotten anywhere and realize that you ne- you never get there. And again, it sounds cliche, but cliches exist for a reason because they're normally true. Right. You do need to, enjoy, you need to enjoy the process. So whatever it is, let's say you're doing hand lettering, you know, you should learn to love hand lettering. You should immerse yourself in it. You should enjoy the process of improving and trying new, new styles and getting better. And that should be the main driver. I think when people are fixated on some kind of ephemeral end outcome, that's when they can lose hope and, and just um, get kind of depressed about the whole thing. Now, how do you balance work and personal life? Now, that, that's a tough question. I'm still, I'm still trying to balance, <laughs> learn how to balance my work and personal life. Um, badly, a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have got a lot better. So I mentioned about the surgery and everything. And since then, my body is actually my best friend in terms of work-life balance because it physically won't let me do it anymore. If I try and pull nighters or work super late, I get sick. I I wow. go backwards very very quickly. So it's kind of like a blocker on me actually uh, losing track of my work life balance. But I think what you need to do is time blocking is great in your day because it makes you more efficient. So literally, like I have thirty minute chunks, one hour chunks for my whole day, and if I stick to that, I get a lot more done, and I don't kind of float around or, or leave stuff until too late in the day. And then the same way. Every day you you have to do your teeth, right? We yes. all do our teeth. We fit that in our day. So figure out the stuff you have to do from a life perspective. I have to go home and spend 90 minutes to two hours at least with my girlfriend, eating dinner, watching TV. I have to do that because otherwise my relationship and my life balance suffers. Equally, I know I have to go to bed at a certain time. So that is non-negotiable. And I think putting those non-negotiable things in and just working on self-discipline is really the key because we all have the tendency of getting wrapped up in our work, wanting to work through the night, but it has been scientifically proven that that actually will hinder your productivity in the long term. What's, what time do you usually wake up in the morning? Pretty late, actually. What's late for, for a you? couple of reasons? Like 7.45, oh, wow. maybe 8 even. Some people that's early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I would say it's not super early, especially uh, I know it's fashionable for all these entrepreneurs to get up at 5 a.m. and that kind of thing. I've never been a morning person. I've always been a night owl. So I, I perform better later on. And I've still got like some mildly residual health bits post-surgery where I tend to get worse in the morning. Interesting. So it's just, it's the morning is not my friend. <laughs> like late, late morning, I kind of really come to life and can perform well after that. But if I tried starting work at 7 a.m. every day, I wouldn't get a lot done. Interesting. I'm curious, like, what is your morning routine like? Do you have to have a cup of coffee in the morning? Do you read the news? What do you do in the morning? I've got a couple of mornings. So <laughs> the healthy morning is I get, I, I get up, like I, I check my phone a little bit and catch up on a few messages there. I have a shower, I have a cup of tea, I have breakfast, I meditate, and, and that really sets me up for the day right. And then I normally put a podcast on in the car on the on the way to work. That's a good morning. Equally, I have mornings where I get up, I have an anxiety attack, Ouch. Uh, I jump out of bed, 
I, I rush through my morning routine. I feel like I don't have time to meditate, even though I should, particularly on those days. <laughs> and then I kind of scramble into work and just throw myself into the chaos of the day. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, two different mornings. I'll choose the first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I try to. Now, how do you deal with anxiety attacks? I'm curious. Is this something that you deal with pretty regularly? Not massively regularly, thankfully. But occasionally you do get that thing where it's just like the weight of the world is on your shoulders. For me, I, I get it with overwhelm. So I can deal with like fires and stuff going wrong uh, in the business. But when there's like 20 huge things at once, Ouch, yeah, that's when it gets me because it's my job to walk into a fire every day. That's to be expected as CEO. But yeah, like I say, when there's 20 things and you start trying to focus on one, that's where you get that thing of bouncing around in your head because you focus on one and suddenly a million others open up and you're just like, oh, wow, where do I start? Um <laughs> So I don't even know how I balance it beyond just my incredibly supportive partner. She's like the best at calming me down, talking me through it. And yeah, I don't think I could do it without her. Now, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Film director. I really? Think. What kind of yeah, film would you I'd, make? I'd, I'd, <laughs> oh, that's a great question. Putting you on the spot. <laughs> like, an, like an indie film. Um, and something that has like pathos a great soundtrack would be a must i really like lost in translation so that's one of my favorite films i always liked american beauty as well and and so just something that's got a bit of heart to it but it can be quite cinematic and artistic as well and quite expressive perfect now share one of your personal habits that contributes to your success oh that's a good question are we talking like mindset or like something it that i anything. regularly do it would be both <laughs> okay um okay i actually i would say going to the gym and i know richard branson cited this in an interview once someone said what's the single biggest reason for your success and he went working out do you go every day no sadly not but i go three times a week and pretty hard uh, on those times because i work with a personal trainer but i find that that massively does make a difference with my headspace and just feeling better about myself and i think so much of being a creative entrepreneur comes down to state you know yes. tony robbins made a living out of getting right. people in the right state like top politicians emotion affects emotion so yeah hugely so i think it perpetuates itself the same way i had a, a crap week last week and was super stressed that probably wasn't very productive but <laughs> when i'm firing on all cylinders then you know, opportunities seem to arise all over the place. And, and same thing for creatives. I think when, you, when you're in a great state, you hit that flow state a lot easier. And that's where just the work seems to naturally come way faster. No, you know, it's interesting. My brother and I both got a gym membership like a little over a month ago for that reason, because, you know, I'm telling you, there's something, like you said, you know, the whole motion affects your emotion kind of thing. Something about, we go three times a week too, and we go super hard. We go for like a little over an hour. And we, I mean, we don't waste any time, like supersets, all kinds of stuff. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And I was uh, going to say, are you doing like strength training? Yes. Well, yeah, with a lot of supersets and we go pretty, pretty heavy as well. Well, it's, it's almost, mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of summertime when I get in, in decent shape, but that affects me so much. Like after, especially if you do it first thing in the morning, you're like, that's the hardest thing I've done in the morning. Now, now I can tackle on the rest of the day. And there's some, even like at the end of the day, if your uh -huh. day goes totally south, you know, you can still say, Hey, I did something for myself. I invested in my health. And you know, you still stress so really Yeah. This might be a weird comment, but I can tell that you work out from your voice. Really? <laughs> you've, got one, you've, you've got one of those voices. Like, oh, thanks, man. <laughs> Never heard that before, but that's awesome, man. There you go. <laughs> I'm, I'm, na I'm naturally a pretty s slim guy. So I, I'm almost like 
fighting my natural uh, ectomorph constitution <laughs> but as like pre-surgery the only time i wasn't working these 18 hours i got into powerlifting. oh wow and so it was like i was like literally so stressed and like pushing myself past every mental limit with work and then i'd run up to the gym after an 18 hour day and break all my pbs every week um because <laughs> i i think it was just like adrenaline at the time i was like riding such a high start in the business it was like everything to an extreme but that's maybe not the healthiest thing either. But you know, I learned a lot from working out just for business as well, like because it takes so much time and takes consistency, and and uh, that's something. And patience, that's something most people don't think about in business, and that's what I like about working out. You know, it all. Of I that. would love you to watch um, a recent episode I did on my show if you haven't caught it yet. I'll definitely watch but it. If now. you if if you check out, um, it's the Honest Entrepreneur Show. Go and watch. Um, I think it's called Entrepreneurship in the Gym. Oh, and it's like <laughs> so a, he's talking about is, is, is it. It's a full episode on exactly what you started touching on there with like how many parallels there are between the two. So true. And I'm telling you, it's like every morning you kind of force yourself to get in. But when you get in, it's like, you know, you have to have a plan. You can't just show up to work out with no plan, just like you can't show up for business with no plan, right? You have to have all these different things, you know, that you learn from it. Now I'm curious. Now I'm going to have to check it out. (laughs) Yeah, check it out. I mean, one of the main points I said was you can't hide behind anything. Mm. The same way, like you can have all the gear and stuff, but if you don't work out, you're not going to have a good body, right? Mm -hmm. People can tell you can't hide behind it. Same thing with business. Like there's no room for bullshit, right? Mm -hmm. Like not ultimately, it, it becomes all exposed at the end. So you can't go and create a huge business and do massive revenue. You can't fake that without putting in the work and the same thing in the gym. You know, my biggest lesson that I learned from working out and uh, it was for a whole year, I went to the gym, worked out and saw no result whatsoever. Just, Mm -hmm. I was like a skinny kid, a soccer player almost in my life. And like after high school, I decided, I wanted to bulk up. And for a whole year, man, nothing, no result. And I remember always going in the gym was that skinny, scrawny kid and people like, man, this kid's like, what is he doing here? But you know what? After a year, it's just like this all of a sudden it just started bulking up like crazy to the point to where I had to stop like and like become a vegan for a year and like go into like body <laughs> workouts because like my joints were hurting. And uh, oh, man. But, but it is interesting that most people quit during that time. Like, you know what? This stuff doesn't work. Forget it and just walk away. But this time thing element is huge. Would you agree with that? Oh. Yeah. And I mean, such a clear parallel to creativity and entrepreneurship, right? Patience. Got to have so much patience. You've got to be in it for the long game. Yeah. And whoever is you know in it for the, you know, stays the longest wins kind of thing, you know, at least, at least uh, yeah, from the experience. The way I see it, like not only longevity, but hardships mm-hmm. that we touched on. Every time I'm going through it, like either I want to give up because I'm feeling impatient or I want to give up because it's hard. I think of all the people who are in the same race as me, who at that exact moment would be giving up to. And if you stay the course, you just improve your odds because you're like shedding people at every hard step. Hmm. Man, now I'm curious. I'm going to have to look up the or listen to that episode that you pointed out. So definitely, <laughs> definitely uh, look it up. And I'll link it in, in the show notes below as well for people to, <laughs> to check it out. Awesome. Now, where do you get your inspiration from? Honestly, I, I like to steal <laughs> There's that thing of like good artists copy great artists yeah. still, I think. I'm more in the like creative entrepreneurship business side now. For a lot of years, I was a freelance designer, but I do believe in taking inspiration from other people, but in disparate industries. So to tell you, tell you what I mean, I think if you are, I don't know, an illustrator and you go and just directly copy another illustrator, that sucks, right? <laughs> yeah. Same thing as a business owner. If I went and directly ripped off our closest competitor, 
that wouldn't be great. But what I do love doing is taking ideas from businesses who are in totally different spaces. So the company that we host our videos with, right? Not a competitor in any way. They're in a completely different industry, but I love some of the things they do with their business. So I take that stuff and use it in ours. Same way, some of the cool promotions we do, I take from how big movies are promoted because I love how they launch them with a bang and so on. So I think you can borrow these ideas and the same thing maps to creativity, right? Go outside of your space. And I think often that's where the most exciting inspiration lies. Interesting. It's like uh, Terry Crews, you know, have you ever, you know, that Terry Crews with the Old Spice commercial? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, because he came now out. he goes to the gym. Yeah, yeah, he goes to the gym <laughs> quite a bit because that guy is like ripped and he's like in his 50s, I think, maybe even older. I don't know. Yeah. But the guy. He's a machine. Yeah. Did you know that he got, you know, he was a football player in college, uh, American football, and he got his, actually his first scholarship was for, for his arts. He was, he draws really well. But now he's. Oh, wow. He's in a, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's in a furniture business too. He designed this creative it was like lily pad furniture it, like, it, it won so many awards look it up man it's, this guy is a genius but it's interesting how that's crazy he got inspiration from different things transitioned to another totally different uh field and now dominating that so interesting now recommend an internet resource that you find helpful in your work or personal life Ooh, um i'm gonna have to say I'll, I'll give you a few, but I'm going to have to say design cuts because it's go. my <laughs> because I, I, I use it all the time. Like it's great. Like as a creative, if you're looking for the best resources, like the best licensing, the best price, like I, I just believe in what we're doing. I think it's really compelling. And we normally get the feedback from people. Oh, I wish I knew about this when I was in college. Wow. So super proud of that. But to give you like the, uh, the gear bag, I guess, for what we use day to day, I think Slack is tremendous if you're part of a team. Oh, yeah. We just got into using Monday as well. That's a good one. Which is project managing. So that's awesome. Zoom is great for video calls with clients and, and if you're podcasting or anything like that. Oh, man, I wish I had more. That, that Those are good ones. Those mind. are good ones. I want to I point yeah. out uh, your podcast. How did that come about and how long have you been podcasting? So I've actually got two. One is The Honest Designers Show which is obviously catering to designers. That's just over a couple of years old. And I'm really proud of that one because that started with myself and three uh, established designers. And it started like a group therapy session, to be honest. (laughs) It was a private mastermind. We'd jump on once a week. We'd share what we were struggling with and just try and help each other and give good advice. And then one day I was like, you know, we should really be recording this and we should put it out to the world. And two years later, we're we're just about to hit a million downloads. That is crazy. pretty nuts. Wow. And then more recently, it was like in the last few months, I launched my personal podcast, which is The Honest Entrepreneur Show. You're probably sensing a theme oh, yeah. here. Oh, yeah. And the, the premise of both really is just to be very candid, very open, very transparent. And I just believe in that approach. That's so much of how I like to do business. It's not hiding behind like the fluff or the headlines or just giving like regurgitated fake advice it's really sharing like the highs and the lows and everything in between and on both podcasts i talk openly about mental health burnout creative block all these kinds of things as well as the good stuff of course and i just think it's conversations that are worth having no that's awesome no i'm curious this is like a personal question what advice would you give to someone starting a podcast is is there anything you can do to uh, speed up the growth so to speak yeah, I think I think there are some good things. One is be clear, and, and this goes beyond just podcasting, but I think people need to be clear about the message and the value they're bringing, which I guess boils down to 
what their brand is for the show. And what you ideally want to do is that when someone asks the question, oh, I'm interested in this, or I want to know more about this, that you can spring into people's mind and they're like, oh, well, you definitely need to check out this show. So to give you an example, do you know Dina Rodriguez? Uh, She's a hand letterer. She does a lot of stuff around like body positivity, a lot of stuff around weed, actually. She's very like cannabis positive. (laughs) Interesting. And so she she puts out these cool t-shirts and prints and stuff around that. And she's, she calls herself the cannabis queen, right? She really owns that brand and she really commits to it. And she's got her own podcast and stuff. So if anyone ever said to me, I'm into weed or I'm in, you know, I'm looking for a t-shirt around weed or anything like that. Before they even finish their sentence, I would be like, you got to check out Dina. She's that person. <laughs> right. And, and, and we could say that for all kinds of things. And I think that's where niching is so important. So for me, my, my brand, if you will, is the honest part. It's like saying the stuff which no one else is saying. It's being really open. Like I'm documenting on my Instagram and I'm going to put this on the show uh, in the next few weeks, this terrible week I've just had. And so for people to see me publicly having like a mental breakdown with it and then coming out the other side and how I fix it, like that's very real stuff and that's stuff wow. that most mm-hmm. people aren't doing, right? And and so if you were to start a podcast or an Instagram around your work or anything, I think you need to find that shtick, right? Because if you're just another designer or another podcaster, then why should anyone listen to you? And I think you really need to be able to condense your value proposition into that nutshell. You know, you need that little elevator pitch where it's like, here's what I'm all about. Here's why that's kind of unique and, and why people should care. Love it. So. Man. Awesome. That that's like the foundation and then you can layer stuff on top of that like i'm doing this podcast right now yeah that's part of distribution so it makes sense that podcast listeners are listening to other podcasts that's not a high degree of friction for you know someone listening to this podcast to go and check out the honest entrepreneur podcast for example and that's distribution i'm trying to bring value to your audience in exchange for a degree of exposure for my show and through doing that, like it's still early days, but my personal podcast is growing pretty healthily as well. So I think get the foundational core value down and brand down, and then think about how are you going to get in front of other people's audiences. Love it, man. I need, I need to write all this down. I'll have to re-listen to all of it. <laughs> now, how can people get in touch with you? Yeah, there's, there's a few ways. So um, if you want to check out Design Cuts, we've got an amazing team there. They look after you so well. So if you're looking for any digital resources to support your creative work, that is the place. I'd love it if you could check out. In fact, actually at Design Cuts, if you sign up, we've got something called the ever-expanding free bundle, which is nuts. We literally get all these best-selling resources. We give them away for free for every person that signs up like as a thank you wow, for joining the community. Awesome. I think it's got 14 things in there and every month we add another thing. So Sweet. it's just, it's, it's, it's ludicrous value. I haven't seen anything <laughs> like it. So there's that in terms of my personal stuff. I would love you to check out the Honest Entrepreneur Show where I talk candidly about all this stuff and reach out to me on Instagram if you listen to this show at Tom Ross Media. And if you DM me, I literally help hundreds of people every week with their creative businesses for free because I'm such a big geek and I love doing it. So if you DM me and said that you heard me on the show, I will guarantee get back to you and give you a helpful response to any questions or struggles that you have. Awesome. Appreciate it, man. Well, Tom, listen, thank you so much for sharing your journey with us, man. I appreciate it. Pleasure. Yeah, it was uh, was a really good chat and I appreciate you having me on. 
All right, I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Tom Ross. Make sure to check out designcuts.com. Again, it's designcuts.com. And as always, all the links and resources mentioned in this episode are also available on our website at ukramedia.com slash 69. And make sure to check out actionvfx.com. Remember, they have your assets covered. Over 2,500 elements of professionally shot VFX stock footage captured on the latest red cameras from explosions, fire, water, smoke, gun effects, debris, Articles, weather, blood, and gore. Go to actionvfx.com. Again, go to actionvfx.com. And lastly, don't forget to join our online mentoring group on Facebook. Simply go to ukramedia.com/community. We have well over 3,000 people in this group. It is a great online resource for those of you trying to grow, and it's absolutely free. Thank you so much for joining me on the journey of this podcast. I appreciate you, and I look forward to serving you in the next episode of the Ukramedia Podcast. Bye bye. <laughs>